0: So we are so excited to be back, Chicks on Flicks is back to talk about a special animated film that uh, is very female oriented with a female director and so that it would be a fun choice to be able to talk about. And uh, so we're going to be talking about Machia When the Promised Flower Blooms, and I'm Rachel and Christine is here. Hey. <laughs> How you been doing?
1: awesome absolutely awesome good you had a good summer yeah yeah it's it's been it's been fantastic
0: oh good I'm so glad yeah it's been a pretty fun summer for me uh busy busy and uh I'm glad that uh we were finally able to touch base uh and uh and talk about this uh, movie we're trying to uh, we've been thinking about different things that we had a couple of projects that we thought we'd want to cover but then neither of us really liked them that much or just didn't work out uh so uh this is fun and you you we've talked about some anime films we talked about silent voice and uh you're a um a pretty decent fan of anime would you say yeah, i love anime yeah yeah so uh and, and you're a bigger probably even a bigger fantasy
1: fan would you say um yes I think fantasy is my genre for sure the thing that I think my love for anime and fantasy have in common is that my intense love for it makes me intensely picky about it I probably have maybe five fantasy series that I actually enjoy reading even though it's my favorite genre Interesting. so yeah yeah cool what are some of those five that you are, are your favorites oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> so um Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson is my very favorite fantasy trilogy mm-hmm. um it is phenomenal <laughs> it is a work of art I love it so much um of course you know the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter are classics um but I also really enjoy Patrick Rothfuss's The Name of the Wind oh I and heard. um Oh my goodness. It is, it's lovely. And both um, Patrick Rothfuss and Brandon Sanderson have actually just had multi-million dollar deals. One was 50 million. The other one was around 200 million, I think, for the rights to their, um, their world. And so we're actually going to be seeing movies, TV shows, and video games, Um, Of these two worlds Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere and Patrick Rothfuss's um, Kingkiller Chronicles is the name of the Trilogy it's unfinished currently Um, So those are going to be coming out you'll see them coming out after Game of Thrones ends, because those are Um, kind of the They'll be the next big push for the fantasy crowd people are going to try to fill that void (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah I also like um Lainey Taylor. Um oh, she's, she's also really really good. Yeah, she wrote Daughter of Smoke and Bone and then she has a um a new series coming out that starts with a book called Strange the Dreamer. Oh. And um all of these they're they're just wonderful. <laughs> that's I won't I won't wax too poetic about it cuz I know that's not what the um you know, interview is about here or anything but I I recommend all of those.
0: Good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a tough sell when it comes to fantasy. I, but I do like sort of surrealism uh, in, in film. (laughs) That to me is typically depends. It can be uh, much too much. And uh, it's, it's weird. I don't know where the line, you know, falls, but uh, I, I don't know. I find that more entertaining almost when there's, sort of when it's just kind of your alice in wonderland kind of like uh Mm -hmm. just real something really crazy as opposed to like mythicism and lore like it doesn't usually interest me that much um but Mm -hmm. i i also like fairy tales i guess that's sort of what i my end of the fantasy kind of spectrum but Mm -hmm. i i just typically find stuff that is true fantasy to be boring for me and it's crazy because you think like they're making all this worlds and stuff and it should be you know really the opposite of boring because it's so creative but for me i i find that they often focus so much on the uh the the lore and explaining the setting that i just Mm -hmm. i just disengage and one mm-hmm. of the things I think that's so brilliant about the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings is like, they almost get uh, they get through all of, uh, at least a lot of it. There's certainly some parts that do still bore me in that series, even though I like it. Um, but at the very beginning, the sort of exposition about the history of the ring and who the different tribes are and who, the, you know, the different lands, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that is so helpful in just kind of, getting done with all that so that the focus of the story is pretty simple you know it's just this simple Mm -hmm. story about these characters that are trying to return this this powerful ring and defeat this evil it's a good versus evil Mm -hmm. story as opposed to just like i don't know something that's just kind of like, the Hobbit movies, I just thought were so difficult to get through. I was so bored. And I just...
1: Yeah, I actually didn't finish watching those. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> I gave up. It I, terrible.
0: I, I mean, it, it's Desolation of smog. It takes them almost two hours just to get to smog. And I know some people just love, like, spending time in Middle Earth and with these characters, and that's enough. But for me, I was just... It just wasn't cutting it for
1: um yeah and- <laughs> well and i don't think that that's a problem reflected in the book or the story right like that's that's hollywood having yeah. a hard time um, i'm not a big fan of the hobbit
0: book just because it's not it's certainly way better in the movies but it's just kind of a whole bunch of adventures so it doesn't really have that moral mm-hmm. gravitas the lord of the rings has mm-hmm. it doesn't have mm-hmm. any stakes and so that's what makes it a little bit less interesting to me um mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly better than what Hollywood decided to do.
1: Make it in the three movies. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
0: Three long movies.
1: Um, Yeah. Well, and fantasy. So there are a lot of different ways to be a fantasy fan. So it's kind of funny when I say, oh, I love fantasy. Because there are subgenres. And then there's the larger genre of just speculative fiction in general. And that's actually where I consider myself to fall. So like, I love science fiction just as much as fantasy, things like Your Name, that's Mm -hmm. anime science fiction, or Cowboy Bebop, right, is Mm -hmm. anime space opera, which is also a type of speculative fiction. And so that, to me, is my genre, that's my comfort zone. But within fantasy, there are actually some corners that I have a harder time with. Mm -hmm. Um, Epic fantasy, or multi-generational fantasy, Um, a few that I named fall under that category. Um, But, like, I have never read Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, uh, mm-hmm. Sword of Shannara, any of those grand, sprawling epics, because that to me feels really, um, it's a massive commitment, and I'm mm-hmm. not as interested in the world as I am with the individual characters. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have a best friend who, like, swears the Wheel of Time is the most amazing thing ever, and, and maybe yeah. it is, yeah, But I just have a hard time sitting down and committing to that. Yeah. Um, and I love the show Game of Thrones. And I'm like the worst heretic in that world ever because I I just read the first book. And I liked the show better. I thought that there was a lot in the book that came across as just kind of campy. Um, uh-huh. Especially there's a character named Tyrion. And in the books, I thought that he was um, overly verbose and gimmicky and um, acted very silly in a lot of scenes he was like doing flips off of a doorway in his entrance Um, and it was just like fantasy camp like the kind of thing that most people make fun of and and, then right and none of that is in the show they take all of his best the, you know, monologues and they cut them down into these pithy one-liners in the show. And I, I happen to love that. It feels a lot more focused to me uh-huh. um, and like something that I can enjoy taking seriously. Yeah. Um, but I, I have literally never met anyone else who was a fan of the show that thought that the books weren't as good as the show. So <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this where when funny. it's gonna go public, but at least just reading the first book, that was my opinion. Um, yeah. It could happen, I mean, and there were some things, you know, that were there were some things that the book explained in more detail that I appreciated. There were some relationships that were different, um, and I have my gripes about the show, but overall, um, yeah, I, I, I liked the storytelling in the show better. Yeah. But, have you ever
0: seen ever seen or read Dune? That's the ultimate example of where epic. Yeah, uh, oh I've,
1: my I've gosh! I've seen the movie. I haven't read the book.
0: I wanted to die both times it was so boring <laughs> uh, it was the most boring story i know that like star wars and everything was based off of it but like oh my gosh like it was <laughs> i read it for book club and it was like the beloved novel of one of the other
1: book club members and i'm just like yeah.
0: oh no oh
1: dear <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like the don't you hate of- that when someone recommends yeah. something so highly and then you delve into it and you're like, oh no, oh
0: no. <laughs> like we, me and this girl, I was tell club, him. yeah, me and this girl in book club, we have completely different tastes, which is part of the fun of book club. Uh, but, um, mm-hmm. but so I kind of knew and I, I knew enough about Dune to know it, that it, you know, that it was super boring, but it was, it lived up to the reputation. Um, and I, I don't know, but it was still just funny. Cause I'm like, Oh wow! I I almost envy that you can enjoy this terrible book, but uh, (laughs) but it's it's it started it's a classic. I get that it's just not for me, but anyway, so
1: (laughs) yeah. I was uh, gonna
0: say too. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just say that's my troubled troubled relationship with sci fi fantasy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah well and then another subgenre that I don't enjoy as much is, is high fantasy so like Tolkien wasn't the first one to ever write elves, but in my opinion he defined them uh-huh. and I don't it, and most high fantasy is just a knockoff of that so high fantasy is like second world level fantasy where it's, it's not earth at all and you have you know magical creatures that exist as a matter of fact there that don't exist here. And um, if I start reading the back of a book and it says it has elves and dwarves, I won't read it. I'm not Mm -hmm. interested. I dislike Aragon so intensely for that reason. It just was so derivative. Um, Uh So yeah, epic fantasy and high fantasy, a little bit harder for me. So I do kind of like these kind of more borderline experimental fantasies. I like when they tweak history. Um, Which is what I write. I write historical fantasy. Um, Mm -hmm. And like Brandon Sanderson, like his, I, like Mistborn, for instance, takes place in a fictional universe on a planet where, where the characters live, it resembles Victorian England, but everything has been destroyed by volcanoes and ash rains down from the sky on a consistent basis, so much so that they can barely grow any crops and no one's seen a green plant in like a hundred years. And then the characters find out that if they ingest certain metals, it will give them certain abilities. And that's just like, that's fantasy, but it doesn't sound like literally anything else. You know, it's just totally unique. And then Name of the Wind is interesting because Name of the Wind begins with an onslaught of fantasy tropes, actually. Like it starts in a tavern with a, you know, man telling his life's history, you know, and there's darkness coming on the horizon. And and it's like, and at first you start reading it and you're like, what is, like, how is this popular? It's so cliche. But then the thing is, is the author, um takes all of those cliches and really kind of put them through the grinder and um and kind of it's like in some ways he delivers those tropes better than anyone's delivered them and then in other ways he'll just turn them on their heads and that's mm-hmm. what makes Name of the Wind really fun um and I was just talking to a friend yesterday about these two series and um I think Name of the Wind, and and you will see it catch on in popularity, guaranteed, because it's getting so much backing. Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing the music for the TV show. Uh (laughs) like It's going to be big. And I think one of the things that makes Name of the Wind um, so much fun, not only to read, but to share with other people, is because it's actually incredibly accessible for people who don't normally read fantasy, at least in my opinion. And I, I feel like a lot of people share that opinion that it's the great, great gateway drug <laughs> for fantasy. Cool. Oh, it sounds great. I hadn't heard of
0: that one. So, all right, well, let's dive in, uh, into uh, the, the movie at hand. That was a fun kind of discussion about fantasy, kind of see where we're both coming from. And so mm-hmm. this movie was directed and written by the amazing Mariah Okada. She is an incredible talent. And it's really neat to me to see anime embracing uh, female content creators such, in such a way uh, as they have in recent years. You have, a new, you have this movie and a new movie by Noko Yamada, who did A Silent Voice, coming out this year. Uh, which I'm very excited yeah. to see. It's called Liz and the Blue Bird. And I loved okay. Silent Voice, so I'm very looking forward to that. And uh, and the, there's a, a number of other uh, female anime content creators, which is great, because that definitely wasn't the case for a long time. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. and But Mariah Okada has been an incredible uh, talent in anime. Uh, she has a huge resume of screenplays in particular that she's done mostly for television anime shows but uh she uh this was her first uh this was her first time directing she has written some films but this was her first time directing and i i think it's you gotta hand it to her for swinging for the fences and doing something so bold, so ambitious on your first film, and uh, and making something so beautiful. Uh, as an animator, a writer, uh, a director, I think it was a pretty gutsy project to take on. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was incredibly ambitious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I i uh i think for me i i really enjoyed it and we'll talk about why and some things it's not perfect but for me i really enjoyed it uh and i think what impressed me the most is i really liked that it focused on a a woman becoming a mother and i really like the fact that makia as a character uh, is a flawed character she 's a pretty dynamic character in my opinion she 's somebody who mm-hmm. uh, starts out kind of weak and uh and i she becomes pretty pretty kick butt i think by the end and uh, it, you know it, i feel like it 's become almost as much of a groaner these days to see the warrior woman as it is to Mm -hmm. uh as to see the damsel distress and so i i feel like they did a pretty good job of creating this character who is somewhat fragile somewhat weak but then learns and grows and i i just really liked seeing her come to be a mother and and uh so that was what I enjoyed about the film. Uh, were there, were there, I, I know you're not as high on it as me, but were there some aspects that, you, that, you, that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, what you said about the main character, I would agree with. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is fun, that her strength is strength of character, right? That she yeah. is um, emotionally resilient and also how um, how quickly she adapts to her surroundings. I thought it was really kind of interesting and fun how um, she and Ariel had to just constantly adapt. You know, life yeah. was always changing, time was going by, politics were changing, and she and her son are forced to, you know, well, specifically she is forced to live in this world, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and to make the best of it and to, find a way to live and to try and create some comfort for her and her son and I think that um yeah I think that Mikia's character uh to me was definitely a character that I liked yeah for sure yeah that's really cool
0: yeah and I also I love the animation and I also loved the music the music uh is by Kenji uh K- Kawai uh he is a, a story uh, anime anime composer uh, he is probably most known for doing the music for Ghost in the Shell uh, the original Ghost in the Shell and which is a beautiful soundtrack um, beautiful beautiful okay. score and I think that he did a really good job with the music in this movie uh, so I think those are some of the strengths and, and we're going to Dive into some of the plot points. I don't think we're going to be like super spoilery, but we might, we're just going to talk a little bit about the plot. And uh, so if you are really sensitive to those kinds of things, then you can uh, you know, listen after you see it. But, uh, but hopefully, we'll uh, entice you to give it a shot and, and see what you think. I will say it does have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty, pretty fun. Six set up for this movie is you have a Maki who's part of this, uh, kind of immortal race, uh, sort of like the, the elves in Lord of the Rings called the LORPS. And, uh, and, but they're not like truly immortal, but they just can, they live longer than than humans <laughs> uh but their village is attacked by uh a people called the mazartes and they they want to get that immortality that in in, in so they attack them and uh she, so makia runs out into the village out into the forest ends up out in the forest and she, and but at the beginning before she does that uh, she gets this advice from one of the other leaders that uh, she says, if you fall in love, you will be lonely. And uh, and I felt like that was kind of a little bit of a theme of the movie is uh, how her, because she's immortal, her son is growing faster. You know, she's going to end up being young when he's an old man kind of a thing. And so time and kind of loneliness was sort of a, felt like a theme of the movie. Uh, could you see, what do you think of that?
1: Um, yeah, I would agree that that was a the theme. Um, I feel like it's really similar. The nature of the character is really similar to um, the unicorn or Princess Amalfia in The Last Unicorn. Oh, okay. Um, where the entire arc of the character is that they, you know, they come from this world that is immortal and pure and good and then they venture into the world of men and they come back with um, sadness and regret and yet more humanity and compassion. Yeah. <laughs> I could get all emotional just thinking yeah. about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I would agree um, that they set out with that theme, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, I think that how successful they were at that theme. Maybe we'll bring that up a little later when I get to share my gripe with, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah I agree. Great. They were going for it. They were going for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good.
0: Um, and I like the fact that uh, a lot of times these sort of immortal stories, you have the the uh, mystical female that sacrifices her her mortality to, because of the love of a her love immortal, which is fine as a story but uh this was kind of a different kind of sacrifice a sacrifice of being a mother uh, which as opposed to romance which i kind of appreciated uh so anyway um so that's kind of how it starts she runs in uh when she runs into the forest she finds this baby and this human baby and she feels like it's kind of calling to her and there's this whole thing in the movie about the hiboli which is this uh, this weaving that the LORFs do. And the, the weaving tells the kind of the passage of time. It's how they keep track of all the different people in their life because they live so long. Uh, and I felt like the movie could have done better about explaining the Hiboli and how the magic really worked. It was a little confusing for me, even okay. as a second time watching it. Um, it wasn't like for instance, in your name, the, the band that unites Mm -hmm. generations, Mm -hmm. that was so much Mm -hmm. more clear, I think about what that did. And, uh, and whereas this was a little confusing.
1: Yeah. Well, and the, um, you know, the red thread of fate in your name also was, was reoccurring and consistently through the story and useful to the timeline. And uh, yeah, I felt like they did, they, they created so much um, kind of like world building, and the magic system potential uh, with the hobole. And then, like, I loved the moment when um, the hobole comes from um, Laya, right?
0: It was, was it Laya? Yeah. Laya? I, I'm not sure Friend. if it's Layla or Lila, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Laylia, yeah.
1: Laylia. <laughs> okay, yeah. So <laughs> it comes from Laylia, and, and she can read it. And I thought, well, that is just fantastic. And I thought that the rest of the movie would have more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that this would be the, communi- the mode of communication, that yeah. they would create these and talk back and forth. Um, it seemed like a matter of course that that was where they were going with it, but then they never did it again. They they never communicated again, except for uh, Ariel to, to write like mama yeah. on his, but that was it. And I was a little disappointed by that. So yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, They also, speaking of Lelia, they also set up at the beginning this contrast between Lelia and Machia. Lelia is a character that is much more of your sort of classic sort of bold female character. She's leaping off of, you know, waterfalls. and, and, And it's kind of, I felt like kind of interesting. You have a more sort of quiet character, a more introverted character in Machia as your lead character who learns and grows and develops and you have the more sort of bold character in Lelia who uh is is kind of forced to be submissive because she's a, basically a prisoner for most of her life and mm-hmm. i i really mm-hmm. loved the ending where where they they reunite and you see uh Lelia just rushing towards the, the drag, the dragon. I thought that mm-hmm. that was a very empowering uh, way to kind of end her character. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought that she had some really interesting moments, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was an interesting to have these two female characters. You don't normally see that in a lot of fantasy. Uh, the, to have two lead female characters. I, I kind of, I, I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And one of the trends that we're gonna see as we're discussing this too is everything they set up I liked. <laughs> the first, you know, fifteen, twenty minutes, I was like, yeah, 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 like I'm gonna love this. And it was really just my frustration and disappointment um that increased as the movie went on that ended up ruining it for me. But like th- this is this is my take on it. Um I agree that this was ambitious. I think the most ambitious thing was to try and stuff this storyline into, what was it, two hours? Um, And I have a feeling that had it been a series, even like a 13-episode series, Uh, I probably would have loved it. mm. Um, Because what I didn't like wasn't anything that was there. It was what wasn't there. Okay. You know, it was what felt missing for me, Mm -hmm. um, where I think things fell through and and ended up uh, kind of tainting some stuff. Most of the movie
0: is sort of cut between Makia being learning to be a mother, which I thought to me all worked. I really liked all of those scenes. I thought there was an emotion to them, there was a heart to them, there was a sweetness to them. I really enjoyed all of those scenes um and then you have lilia with the forced to become this bride of uh the prince of the and uh and he wants to uh he wants to marry her to try to get a lineage with the uh immortality in them mortal blood Mm -hmm. and she ends up having a child and uh named uh um what is it um, medmel medmel <laughs> uh, medmel yeah Yeah. <laughs> who she is not really allowed to actually mother and it turns out that i uh, that medmel isn't immortal doesn't have any of those qualities of the Lorf. and mm-hmm. so they're both considered kind of a disappointment by the prince uh and there's all of these sort of battles and uh, i didn 't care about any of that as far as i mean I cared about lilia as a Lilia as a character, and I thought that in the end her arc really worked as far as like i said I thought the ending with her running towards the dragon. I thought that was really great um, but as far as the prince and the dragons and all of that stuff i i didn 't think that was that interesting, so what for me works so mm-hmm. well in this movie is is makia becoming a mother and i guess lilia eventually kind of going from being this free spirit to this imprisoned person to becoming the free spirit again those two things worked great for me and i thought uh were compelling and so i really enjoyed the movie um and i guess for me like since i don't normally like things like dragons and fantasy and stuff like that a lot of that I was just kind of able to sort of ignore because I know it's not really for me anyway. And so I was just like, eh. Mm-hmm. I almost wanted to just like, I'll fast forward this part because <laughs> I, I, I just, mm-hmm. it's not for me and that's fine. Uh, but I thought what they got right as far as these characters and this beautiful exploration exploration of motherhood, both for Lilia and for Makia were just great, I thought. So anyway, that was kind of my take on that. And I don't know, what, what do you think about some of all those things? I know I
1: threw a lot at you.
0: <laughs> but, no, that's yeah. all
1: good. Um, like everything everything you like, uh, for the most part, like I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my two biggest issues with this, and, and here I go, I'm gonna launch, um, <laughs> is structure number one, and characters number two, Um, specifically supporting characters. So the thing with the structure, so, and this is where a little bit of background on me is is a little useful, and that is, uh, so I write historical fiction. I'm a very meticulous plotter. Um, Mm -hmm. I really love studying structure, and i 'm a strong advocate for the idea that formula does not mean formulaic that mm-hmm. the sole purpose of structuring any story is to create a um a tension mm-hmm. and then a need and then a release so that at the end of the film or story book, whatever it is, you have catharsis mm-hmm. catharsis is the point <laughs> of everything um and so On top of that, uh, this is where it gets really kind of funny and coincidental and maybe I have way too much attachment over in this area, but the book that I'm currently writing has a 400-year-old character. And so I deal with a lot of the same questions that the screenwriter who worked on this movie also had to deal with, and that is that time moves differently when you're immortal. Um, we know even just in real life, the older you get, the faster time goes. I do think it's a little inconsistent that they go ahead and do that with Makia when she's 15, um, because then theoretically time should be passing for her the same way it passes for a human. Um, but let's pretend that she's not 15. Let's pretend that she already has a couple hundred years behind her. And so she has the mentality of this immortal person. Um, she's Mm -hmm. at least been raised in an immortal society. Um, but the thing is, is like I loved that they came to the same conclusion that I had previously come to in my writing, and that is, if time goes faster, what you're going to want to do when you tell their story is you're going to cover way more time, um, mm-hmm. and that you're going to want to show key plot points that have years between them. And so that actually made me excited. When I started watching this, and I realized they were going to do that, um... I was really happy <laughs> because I was like, this, 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 I, I think that that's exactly how you tell that type of character's story. Um, but it ended up for me being really uneven. And the thing is, is you want to, if you're going to condense that much, you're going to have to figure out what all of your story threads are, and you're going to have to figure out what all of your key plot elements are in each of those threads. And the way that I usually organize it is I have a thread for every supporting character. Every other character that interacts with my main character is technically another storyline. So my character plus my villain is my story A, Mm -hmm. but character plus everyone else is B, C, D, E, and F. And you have to have, at the bare minimum three scenes that can move that relationship, that can move that storyline, and this is where structure spills into character, because mm-hmm. with Krim, um, I think his name was, he, he doesn't have enough developmental scenes for you to understand his story um, and, and relate to, to him or, or what he's trying to do. Um, And so I felt like that was missing. I felt like Lelia needed more of her own arc so that we could, because like we see what's happening to her. We're kind of given the shorthand for the fact that she's brave. She jumps off the waterfall. Okay, great. But like I don't know how to relate to her yet. And then at the end of the movie, I still didn't. Medmel had two scenes, no arc at all for Medmel. Um, and then like the guy who was technically one of the. Lorf, he was like half immortal. Like I never I, I wanted to know who he was. I was like, where's your arc? Like, what is it that you're doing? What are you learning? How are you growing? I I want to connect with you. I was fascinated. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying you know, if it was a series, I think I would have been happy because I would have gotten that. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other thing is is without um Without, it, so what's essentially happening, in my opinion, is, is a complete story. An, an incomplete story, sorry, that's rolling out in front of your eyes and it's beautiful and it sounds really good. And it's, it's hitting emotional points. But here's where, like, I agree the music is beautiful. The problem is, is the music is too beautiful for what's on the screen. <laughs> Meaning that if we don't understand the emotional relevance of what's happening on on screen, not just a little toddler being cute, but like why it matters at all. And then we have music play. We do have an involuntary emotional reaction to that. It sweeps Mm -hmm. us up. I cried at this movie, but I I cried the same way that I cry when I watch every single Budweiser commercial. I cried because it hit all the right notes because I'm a mother and ever since I gave birth if I Mm -hmm. see something that cute on the screen and you know and a character cries and that cues me to cry and the music rises and and then I'm I'm a mess you know Uh but then the thing is is I'm like what am I crying for like it doesn't even matter they're just selling insurance you know like like those commercials (laughs) that you see like I just anyway so like it's like those commercials that people share on Facebook you know and they're like this commercial will make you cry in less than four minutes and it it always works on me (laughs) but the problem is is that I come out the other side of that and I feel manipulated Uh and so with this movie that was the feeling I had I was like I feel like I've been manipulated instead of edified Hmm. and um yeah and and one of the ways I think that you can kind of detect whether you're crying because of the story or you're crying because it's appealing to all of those human triggers in you is, um, if the character's crying, because Mm -hmm. like, think of, you know, like Lord of the Rings, most powerful moment, the most famous moment, you know, Sam wants Gamgee. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Uh Sam is not wailing. Uh He's not, howling in despair you you cry i cry just thinking about that scene because of what it means you know and i felt like this movie had so many times where makia was crying and the music was rising and it was so artificially emotional Mm -hmm. um and i was like i don't understand what any of this means (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand the significance of any of this, so it felt really um, surface level to me, Interesting. and um, like it had no meat. Uh uh-huh. so, yeah, and that's where I think that like just just a little more structure, just a little more character, and I wouldn't have felt that way. The the music could have swelled, and I would have understood and and cried for a good reason. You know, fair. I don't know if that makes fair. Oh, fair any enough. sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does. Uh that was not my experience, but I can see how that could be your experience. I I first of all, I am not Mrs. Side characters. Like I if you listen to the Hallmarkies podcast, you would see because uh Amber is always like, wasn't this a great like side character? And I'm like, Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> like I, I I'm not. Uh-huh. So <laughs> that's first of all. Uh so second of all, I guess for me. I felt like uh, it, there was. Uh, I I felt like they did earn the emotion for Makia and her learning to be a, a mother with uh, Ariel, and I mean she's so young, and she makes mistakes, and she has uh, moments of connection and moments where he is you know rejects her, where they learn and they grow. Like any you know that's what teenagers and that's what uh kids do you know from time to time you have those moments of victory you have those moments of uh it kind of reminded me in tone and feel of something like boyhood which is a movie i love you know just about this which is just about this mother and two kids and their life and um and uh, so maybe it's a little bit of almost a fantasy slice of life kind of a thing uh, a little bit but i uh, i i did feel like like for instance the moment where she says that uh that uh she 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 pulls him back from from almost falling and she says that you know mothers uh that she's not gonna she's not gonna cry anymore and that she's going to you know she has this moment where she realizes she needs to be strong for her son and i i think that that and then by the end you realize that you know she says uh she realizes that everyone will die and and okay. and that so she decides there and there moms don't cry and so then in the end when she does cry i thought that it was actually pretty earned and mm-hmm. i i thought that um i thought that L- lelia was a good character and her not being able to see her daughter uh becoming kind of uh seeing some of her energy kind of people try to uh to uh wound her to dampen her spirits i guess uh i i thought was a moving journey but it was a believable and pretty heartfelt moving story of a young girl who becomes a mother and uh yeah, all the fantasy stuff, I was just kind of like, okay, fine. Like they could have done a better job of the Hiboli. They could have done a better job of the the dragons with their like dragon illness thing. And there were only so many dragons <laughs> that that were alive. And, and at one point there were like only two. And so there was like this fight over the dragon. Like all that stuff could have been better for me. I didn't really care about it. Um, I was like, get back to another scene of her raising Ariel. And I thought that was really good and uh, um at her desire to protect her son i thought and and her sort of inability to do that i thought was an interesting sort of journey that she goes on uh, that kind of her deciding not to cry in a way was her protecting him uh and uh and him uh so that he wouldn't feel so he wouldn't feel a need to protect her her uh he would see her as being strong i thought that was interesting and moving and on the wikipedia and i think it describes what i'm trying to say It says despite the profound pain of loss that loving her son brought her uh despite the profound pain of loss loving her son had brought her happiness and i think that that's kind of the the journey of the character and i don't know i Uh i really enjoyed it i i thought that uh, it was nice to me to see a story that I actually liked the fact that it didn't waste my time with with <laughs> details about the dragons, which I could care less about. I could care less about, uh, you know, all the, all I need to know is there's a battle going on. I don't care about what <laughs> they're fighting about or whatever. Like, I just need to know Ariel's gone to be a soldier and that we're trying to free Lilia from this this thing. That's it. I don't care about any of that kind of dynamics. That would have been very boring for me. I, I kind of like the fact that she's, she just was telling the life of one character and just focused on that as opposed to most fantasy, which to me gets very, very boring because it just, I don't know, the mysticism in the lore just isn't interesting to me. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting which... thing.
1: Yeah, well, and there's there's another point because you mentioned you know this is the life of one character, and I think that actually if they had done that, it would have been stronger because they didn't do that. There are perspectives in this movie that Makia is not present to see. There's a um, little bit. There man. are scenes where she's not there, and that was very confusing to me. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like if you're if like if we're we're doing the structure that we're doing because we are you know, uh like ostensibly coming from Makia's perspective. And yet we were outside of her head and range of sight. I mean, we had scenes in like, you know, the king's throne room and things. And even if they had just kept it to Makia and Lelia, I might have been okay with that. But I felt like it was just it was just head hopping everywhere. Really?
0: Um Yeah I disagree. Yeah. I mean they had a little bit, but I feel like it was pretty pretty good about um, staying focused on those two characters. I, when I said one, I should have said two, because I mean, I feel like they did the bare minimum that they had to do in order to have that kind of conflict. Uh, and um, yeah, I was, I was fine with
1: that personally, but I can see how, you know, yeah. your point of view. Um, yeah, I felt yeah. like it was misleading because then I thought I'd get more information you know, like, if they show the king talking in his court, then I'm getting, I'm like, oh, okay, so I should pay attention to this, because, like, I, you know, I am paying attention yeah. to the fantasy elements, I do, and, and I was okay with not really knowing what the war was for, because I got the sense that Nakia also didn't know or care, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's very, um, it's very, like, the Lord of the Rings elves there, you know, where they're like, the wars of men come and go, you know, they're, they're like mayflies, they come and go in a day, you know, like, we're not going to concern ourselves with their affairs, and so I think that would have been fine, that would have been a great mm-hmm. perspective, but then they introduced this idea, like, you were supposed to know, so then I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to pay attention to this, but then they were like, but we're not actually not going to, like, follow this thread, and I was like, then why did you give me this thread, because here I am following it, you know, for two hours, and then I get to the end, and it didn't lead to anything. Mm-hmm. it, because I would have <laughs> liked to have just let the war go, you know, like, yeah. and and just have it be in the background, kind of like you ended up actually like that's how you got it because you didn't mm-hmm. pick up that thread, you know. You're like, I yeah. see what you're laying down. I'm not a fantasy fan, you know what, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And whereas I, you know, I was like, oh, it's a clue. Like, follow the trail and. <laughs> and then got nowhere
0: <laughs> yeah to me You're i like,
1: agree Christine, you know when you love you get lonely <laughs> you <go to> bed.
0: <laughs> yeah i agree with one of the critics he said a beautiful and, and melancholic story about myth and reality death and what it means to live and the inherent contradictions of parenthood that's kind of how i looked at it uh and i don't know i i i thought that it did a good job just sort of portraying her, the life of this character in a way that I could relate to, which a lot of fantasy I can't relate to at all, and I, uh-huh. so that makes it also part of the reason it makes it very boring. I, I think that we should be supporting uh, ambitious and and creative filmmakers, and like with yeah. any, uh, like for instance, this year there was a movie called Sorry to Bother You, which i did not like uh i i did not like i felt like they just took like a a dump truck of ideas and just like crammed it into one screenplay and it was just i just didn't care for it i didn't like it but i totally think that people should see it that can handle some r-rated content um that people should see it and decide for themselves because it is so out there and creative that i totally get why a lot of people were really inspired by it it just didn't work for me uh so anyway i think mm-hmm. that's kind of a similar situation and so it's one that i i i wouldn't be surprised if it ends up going to netflix uh or some kind of streaming eventually hopefully uh, it won't be like a silent voice which is just like cotton in release limbo which is very frustrating um wow. it's not available to stream it's not available to purchase very frustrating because um, <laughs> it's so great and uh yeah i mean i don't i i i don't think that this is as good certainly i don't think it's as good as your name of course um and i don't think it's as good as a silent voice but I just, I guess I went into it with actually pretty low expectations because I do not <laughs> like fantasy. And so the fact that I got this story uh-huh. about a woman becoming a mother to me was like, oh, that was really refreshing and, uh, and uh-huh. something that I could relate to and that I found uh, moving. And so it's a, it's an interesting thing. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this with me. I, I had a lot of fun just discussing it. I think it's is uh like you said it's definitely a movie that you'll think about that you'll talk about and that you'll enjoy mm-hmm. i think i mean like i said i think like there were some parts that were undercooked as far as the Hiboli and the the dragons and but again i didn't really care about those parts um and there were definitely mm-hmm. some pacing issues and this is often a problem with with anime, um, even a silent voice, which I love, definitely had some pacing issues that could have made it a little bit better. Um, but this, uh, it could have probably had a good 20 minutes trimmed and it would be for the better. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting thing. And, uh, and so definitely, I just recommend people try to find it, if you can find it. And I hope that uh, the company that is marketing it will try to put some money behind it for uh oscars consideration because i think it's it's worthy of th- being in the discussion at least <laughs> of that Yeah, at
1: least thing. the sound score
0: yeah, yeah. you know so the,
1: i think that it could definitely take a nomination there i uh you know we'll we'll just see but uh,
0: let us know what you think uh if you've seen it uh then let us know what you thought of it and um in the comments section or on Twitter. Uh, and um, uh, where can people, uh, where can people find you?
1: On, on social media. Christine Great. That's, that's where all my information is. Okay. Good. Uh, and I've been updating my blog every week for the last few months. Yay. finally get so, <laughs> awesome. on top of that. <laughs> okay, good. I'll oh, have yeah. a
0: link to that in the description section. People should definitely check it out. And you can follow me at Rachel's reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. So, Please check that out, and uh, let us know if there's anything that you would like us to look at for Chicks on Flicks, and we'd love to hear your suggestions and thanks again for taking the time to talk about this with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it too. I think it was a great discussion. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was for a lot sure. of fun. It was very fun, so all right, well we will uh, we'll talk hopefully we'll be able to talk again soon and um, uh, yeah. thanks again. (laughs) Bye.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Bye.